pretty crazy guy back in the day. And, uh, but just the other day, I saw him out at, in Walgreens, and there he was. And man, how many know God will set the stage for moments like that? And I, and I had the opportunity to right there at the cash register share my testimony with him and everybody else that was in that store of the stability that I now have in Christ. Like he used to watch my life. I mean, he knew, you know, he knew I was crazy and up and down and involved in addiction and all these things. And he, he can take one look at me now and see there's a tremendous change in my life. And so what I'm saying is the stability that the kingdom is giving you, it's not just, it's, it's for you. And it's also for your family. Because it starts there. Can I get an amen? I mean, everything starts in, in, in your house with your family. But it's not just for you and your family. It's also for people around you who are scared and afraid and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go. And the Christ inside of you will bring a stability to their lives so that when they see you not worried, when they see you have peace, when they see joy on the inside of you, well, how many know that we're to be different than everybody else? And when they see that in you, they're attracted to that stability and they'll reach out and try to, gra- and try to stabilize themselves with you. And how many know when they do that, you direct them to the king? Because the only reason that we have stability is we have a king. Can I get an amen? The king is coming, amen? And we direct them to the king. How many know we don't direct them to ourselves? How many know we don't even necessarily direct them to our church? I mean, praise God for church. Praise God for church growth. Those things are great. But how many know the kingdom is bigger than a church? The kingdom is bigger than anything else. And so when they reach out for stability and they grab onto us... Because we have a sense of stability. We direct them to the king. We direct them to Jesus. How many of the fields are white for harvest right now? I've never seen a time when people did not have more things that they used to trust in that they can't trust in any longer. Like, we've been, honestly, man, we've been waiting for this time for a long time. And um, in the sense that there are people who are going to come to Jesus because they know they can't trust their government any longer. There are people who are going to come to Jesus because they know they can't trust the financial system any longer. There are people going to come to Jesus because they know they can't trust the medical systems any longer. How I many know everything is being shaken? And so, man, and it's not, and, and, I, and I don't celebrate the bad things that are happening. I don't celebrate the darkness. You know, in Isaiah 60, it says that gross darkness will, darkness will cover the land, gross darkness of people. But how many know that light shines brightest in darkness? I'm here to tell you right now, church, these are our best days. These are our best days. Don't be afraid. Don't draw back. Don't get into fear. And and one of the ways that you you stay out of fear is Matthew chapter 6. And we're not going to go there today, but Matthew chapter 6 addresses the proper focus. How many know you're not supposed to be worried what you're going to eat? You're not supposed to be worried what you're going to wear, how you're going to fill your tank up. How many know your primary focus is the kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I believe in the time that we're in, we're going to see a magnified blessing on the body of Christ That um, because if you look at the way God does things, God always does mighty things for His people when they're shaking in the world. How many know there's light in Goshen? How many know that, the field, that, that there's blessing for you? And God wants to bring a blessing into your life, 
to bring, to bring you, obviously, a sense of stability. But not just that. How many know God wants to use you to help other people? God wants you to be a miracle in somebody else's life. God wants to, wants to help you to meet people's needs. Can I get an amen? This is the body of Christ. And, and this, is the, this is the plan of God in the time that we're living in. And so we don't have to be staring at the highs and the lows of the world. We can look at something a lot more solid, a lot more consistent, a lot more stable. You know, I used to, when I was in high school, I did some scuba diving. And when you go out into the open water, and you, the, the final thing I had to do before I got my license to get my open water uh, scuba diving license is I had to do an open dive out in the ocean, away from the bay and away from everything else. And so when you go out there, how many know that seasickness is no joke? Anybody ever experience? I mean, it is like, uh, uh-uh, no thanks. Like, I love to fish, but I'm not willing to be that nauseous in order to fish. But anyway, so anyway, but we had to go out there. And so when we were out there, and it was up and down, and it was up and down, and it was crazy, um, what, the, what the dive instructor encouraged us to do is to look at the horizon, look at the line of the horizon where the sky meets the ocean because it doesn't move, and it'll give you a sense of stability so that you are not experiencing the same level of motion sickness if you're staring at the boat or you're staring at something that's up and down. And it helped. It really did. It helped. It helped. It, I never yacked. Praise God. I was, those, was one of those that did not yak. Many others yacked. And, um, but a part of my stability was looking at something that was stable. How many of you know Jesus is stable and seated on the throne this morning? Amen. How many of you know he's not scared? He's not worried. In fact, it says in the scriptures that he that sits in the heavens laughs. I mean, oh, God knows that everything the enemy has thrown at your family, thrown at this country, and meant for evil, that God's going to turn it all for good. And there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. And so in the day and age that we're living in, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged by the injustice. Don't be discouraged by the darkness that's in the land. And that's one of the things I really feel like that we face as the body of Christ. And we've looked at this at some prior messages, but I'm going to share it here to bring us all on the same page. I believe that we've been in a state of mourning because of the state of the world. And we, you know, mourning the way things used to be, mourning just concepts of morality. You know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. You know, I was raised in a heathen home. But the, the, the standard of morality in my heathen home was higher than what's currently in the world. We, 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 we had, and, and as bad as we were, we had a, a, a greater understanding of right and wrong than the masses are currently embracing. And so I think that because of the culture shock of the violence and, 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 and the, the, the sexuality and, and, and all and, and the drug use and just all the, just the open embracing of that which is right and declaring what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right, we've been sucker punched and gut punched and we've had this season of mourning of the way things used to be. And, and I believe with all of my heart that there, there's two things that have happened to the body of Christ. We've been in a season of mourning and we've been in a season of offense. We've been mourning and we've been offended. And, and the thing about it is, I believe that God is shifting us out of this season of mourning. Because how many of you know that sorrow will make you weak? How many of you know God... Are, Worldly sorrow kills. Godly sorrow will lead you to repentance. It'll lead you to change. It's a healthy thing. But there's a worldly sorrow that's tried to attach itself to us because of the things that have been stolen 
from us in these past couple of years, whether it was you know, children's, their, their school uh, environment or, or, or finances or even lost loved ones or you know, the list goes on and on and on about the things that were, have potentially been lost to bring us into this state of worldly sorrow to weaken us. But I believe that God is bringing a joy to the body of Christ because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And one-third of the kingdom is joy. Romans 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. And one-third of the kingdom is joy. And so God wants to bring a joy into our lives that's going to make us strong. See, because how many of y'all, the world sells happiness. If you have this car, you're going to be happy. If you eat this yogurt, you're going to be happy. If you have this, you're going to be happy. If you have that. How many of y'all, they never show a sad person drinking beer? (laughs) You never see the sad beer commercials. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're drinking beer, and it's like they're having the time of their lives. You know, in, in all my days and times of partying, I, I never lived a commercial. <laughs> you know, they don't show you all the other stuff that goes along with it. And so, because the world knows that intrinsically everybody just wants to be happy. But the world cannot give you happiness. They don't have the ability to. See, happiness is something that's born of circumstance. And how many know if you're waiting on all your circumstances in order to be happy, then you are never going to be happy. But we think, well, and so this is what happens to a lot of people. They live their lives chasing a circumstantial happiness. Well, when I get this, I'm going to be happy. Well, when I move into this house, I'll be happy. Well, when I, when I, when I, when I change jobs and I get here, I'm going to be happy. Well, if I just had this spouse, I would be happy. If I just had this, if I just had that. And then what ends up happening is people are chasing after a worldly happiness based on circumstance. And how many know it's hook after hook after hook after hook after baited hook after baited hook? And no matter where you get, you might have a day of happiness. You might have a day where everything... Uh, you know, links together. But how I many know that that type of happiness really runs on something called covetousness? And you, and, 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 and in, the, it's, in the English, it's the word lust, which there's a sexual connotation to that. But in the Greek, it's way more than just a sexual connotation. It's the word epithumia, means a pining, after, a pining away after something that you can't have that brings a sense of decay into your heart and to your life. That could be the heading for social media right there. Just right up top. Boop. Because what happens is everybody's comparing themselves among themselves and thinking, well, look how good their life is. Well, look how good their life is. My life's not good. And you've got millions of people staring at their phones, convinced that everybody's got it better than them, living in a state of not enjoying what they have. And that covetousness, that epithumia, is actually ransacking their hearts and their lives keeping them in a state of dissatisfaction, thinking they need one more thing, 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 and then they're being bull-rushed by offense and anger towards the state of the world and the things that are happening in the world, and then added to that is this state of sorrow concerning the things that we've lost in the state of the world. And so we have all these Christians staring at social media, living in a state of misery, 
Because how many know social media is not a, a level playing field for the Christian? The, the, we're, we're not there because they like us. We're there because they haven't figured out how to get rid of us yet. True. But it's okay. How many know you got a kingdom that don't shake? You got a kingdom that's never going to end. So don't let the state of the world get you down. But there is a transition that God is bringing to the body of Christ, and we're stepping out of sorrow, and we're stepping into dancing. We're stepping out of mourning, and we're being anointed with the oil of joy. Because all that stuff they're seeking after with their things and their circumstances is already down on the inside of you. It's one-third of the kingdom. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. See, when joy is restored to the church, she will become attractive again. Without joy, the church is ugly. It's true. And see, legalism cannot produce joy. Because legalism is a joy killer. When I'm talking about legalism, I'm talking about performance. When you are in a state of performance, you are joyless and your Christianity is out of obligation. You're not doing anything because you want to. You're doing everything because you feel like you have to. You have to come to church so that God will love you. You have to give so that God will bless you. You have to tell people about Jesus. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. And so what ends up happening is we have all this pressure from the world that I've just described, and then you have all this pressure that it's not Jesus' easy light yoke. It's that heavy, burdensome yoke of legalism and performance. And you know what's happening to Christians left, right, and sideways? They're snapping under the pressure. And what's because, but this isn't what God wants for us. And so there's a transition into joy, into the kingdom. Can I get an amen? This is what I want. I want this for my life. And, um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to have it. And I'm going to seek it, and I'm going to teach as many people as I can um, how to access it, because you're not trying to get this. You got it. If you're born again. Like, and, th and that's one of the paradigm shifts that needs to happen. You're not trying to get joy. You're not trying to get peace. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you got all these things already. It's just a matter of realizing what you have, which is where truth comes in. Truth comes in will make you aware of what's already yours. And one of the examples I give, anybody ever been looking for their glasses and it was on their head? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many know you can look hard for your glasses when you got them and you ain't going to find them? Because they're on your head. You ever done it before? Looking everywhere for your glasses? I mean, I've embarrassingly searched for my phone frantically while it was in my hand. Oh, gosh. I'll never forget that. That's embarrassing. I'm like, where's my phone at? <laughs> that happened to me at a youth camp one time. Oh, I know, I know. So if you're searching for what you have, you're like a dog chasing your own tail. And we got all kinds of Christians searching for peace, searching for joy, searching for right standing with God. And that's, that's the, actually, that's the most important, that's the beginning of the kingdom. And we're going to talk about that just in a moment so we can all get on the same page. But you have these things. It's just a matter of accessing these things, right? How I many know if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're right with God? Oh, yes. Rightness with God is not something that's earned. It's not something that's deserved. How I many know it is a gift? 
This is where the kingdom, this is where the kingdom begins. Without this understanding, there's no way you're going to have peace and joy. Because if you think that your rightness with God is based on something that you do, good or bad, the enemy is always going to be able to talk you out of peace. Because there's always going to be one thing you haven't done or one thing you shouldn't have done. When we're talking about your rightness with God, you are not on trial. When we're talking about your rightness with God, who's on trial? The blood of Jesus is on trial. Did he do a good job on the cross? If he did a good job on the cross, then that means you're forgiven. And that means that you're right with God because you have a new nature. Because you've been born again and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. See, under the Old Testament, you had to earn right standing with God. Under the New Testament, it's not like that. Under the New Testament, you become right with God as a result of a new birth. Here I was, 19 years old, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful person, full of darkness, spiritually dead, hated my life, hated myself. And Jesus, through his outstretched hand, I believed in him. I believe he was the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. And he pulled me into himself. I stepped into Christ. Christ stepped into me. And then I entered into a 2,000-year-old victory. He died my death as me 2,000 years ago. And the person I used to be died on that cross with him. And I became a new man. A new creation in Christ Jesus. So now, and I, then, then I became right with God. By faith in Jesus Christ. How many of us? By faith through grace. And so he provided the gift, I received the gift, he pulled me into himself, I became a new creation in Christ, and now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. According to Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he that knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. That is where the kingdom begins. That's the bedrock of the kingdom. That's the cornerstone of the kingdom. Everything that you build in your life should be based upon that reality right there. That you are right with God. Now listen to me. If you are right with God, do you have anything to be afraid of? Nothing. Because there's nothing bigger than God. Can I get an amen? There's nothing bigger than God. The question is, is God for you? That's, always, that's the weak link. And if you go into an old covenant mindset, rather than bringing your lamb to be inspected, I mean, on the old covenant, they brought their lamb. If their lamb was spotless and blemishless, then they were good and their sins were covered. Instead of you bringing your lamb, you'll bring yourself. And you are not the one that's being inspected. Can I get an amen? Because none of us, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. No one has earned it. How many of you there's no one in this room any better than anybody else? Can I get an amen? Everybody in here needs Jesus. And so under the old, it was based upon your ability. Under the new, it is a beautiful gift. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why it's good news. Because God will take somebody like me, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, someone who's anti-God. I would argue against Christians. I would argue against the faith. I would attack, the, I would attack and fight. And you know what? I, how many know it's hard to fight against unconditional love? 
I just kept swinging and swinging, and he took punch after punch after punch after punch until I grew tired, and he looked me in the eyes and said, I still love you. I still want you. You want to be a part of me? Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's that kind of love. That's why I'm here today, because of that kind of love. He would not stop loving me. He wouldn't leave me. I mean, it's the same for you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. He's pursued you all the days of your life. He's been coming after you to show you that He loves you and to reveal your value in Him. And so I'm now right with God. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I ate two pints of ice cream last night. Yeah, it was a personal best. Let me tell you the story. Anybody ever had that Crank and Boom ice cream? Oh, gosh. They have this flavor called Lemon Blueberry Cheesecake. It's the best ice cream I've ever had in my life. So I'm coming back from working on the church, and I'm going to swing by and pick up some Goodfellas pizza because it's the best pizza in Kentucky. And then I'm going to get some ice cream because my wife loves it, and I want to surprise her with something. And so then they had this deal where you could buy three and get one extra free, praise God. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, good marketing right there. So I came home, and I got my stuff, and... Then I kind of got like this emergency phone call where I needed to talk to somebody and counsel somebody. And then um, I got up and everyone had left the house and I was hungry. <laughs> so I went to the fridge after I finished, you know, and I sat down and ate a pint of that. Right. And then my wife comes home and she doesn't know that I've already eaten one pint. And I didn't feel led to tell her. I felt like, you know, I, I mean, she didn't ask. And so now we're going to sit down, and we've been watching this show called Lego Masters. It's like this Lego show. Eli loves it. And it's like our thing we do as a family. How I many it's hard to find clean television you can watch with your family? Hey, man, well, we found a show, and so we watch it. And so, uh, and so then I'm, we're getting all the ice cream out, and, you know, it's time to eat ice cream. So I got my pint of ice cream out, and I <laughs> ate another pint of ice cream. Praise God. And then I was miserable. <laughs> But Jesus still loved me, amen? And I'm still right with God. I'm not perfect. I'm a little heavier, praise God. But, uh, and I had a tummy ache, but, but you know, pray. no, I ate plenty. I ate a whole pizza. A whole, one whole pizza. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I wasn't even going to get into that, brother. That's the, <laughs> I was trying to, we're going to save that for, no, I'm just kidding. But how many know that because, and, you know, obviously those are some mistakes that were made. There wasn't a lot of self-control. But how many know that my value didn't diminish in my father's eyes because I wasn't temperate? How many know God didn't think of me as less of a son? And here's the thing. How many know the cross paid for way more than all that? So when, you get to, when we get to this place where we're questioning if we're right with God or not, we're questioning the success of the cross. I love to get to this place. This is where we get to the nitty-gritty of what we actually believe. We have to come to this place. Because if I can strengthen you in your belief the cross is a success, it's going to establish the kingdom in you so you can have the rest. Because after you know you're right with God, you know what you have, peace. A peace that's not based on you. A peace that's not based on this world. So we, let's come back again. Let's, let's look at it. What, did Jesus do a good job on the cross? 
Did Jesus do such a good job on the cross that the sin of the entire world has been paid for? How many of the blood is more powerful than sin? Right? So this kingdom that you're a part of, once God has brought you into himself, you are now right with God. Now, me saying all these things, I'm not encouraging you to go out and act like an idiot. Very important. How many know your love walk is important? The way you treat people is important. But, but the reality is this. If you can't receive an unconditional love, there's no way you can give it. And God's not called you to walk into a natural human love. God's called you to walk in an unconditional supernatural love. And so the only way that you can live that type of life is to receive that love. And I'm here to tell you right now that God loves you. God is for you. He's paid for your sin. And He's removed your sin as far as the east to the west. And according to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, your sins and lawless deeds He will remember no more. That's how powerful the cross is. Can I get an amen here? You believe that, and it will establish the kingdom in you. You don't believe that, then you will live your life not knowing if you're right with God or not. You'll live your life with zero faith. You'll live your life constantly on the stage of whether you're being approved by God or not based upon your own conduct. And you will live in that hamster wheel of performance with one foot in the old covenant, one foot in the new covenant, and the easy light yoke of Jesus will be far from you, and you'll live your days under that heavy bondage yoke of legalism and performance, and you'll be miserable, and you won't have any joy, and you won't have any peace, and the way you'll get relief is you'll accuse other people. If you don't put condemnation on the cross, you'll handle the condemnation two different ways. You'll either internalize it and get depressed, or you'll think you're, or you'll think you're, you'll you'll trick yourself into believing that you're doing everything right, and you'll have a, and you'll be full of pride and arrogance, and you'll be self-righteous. Oh, and out of that place, you spend your life hiding behind a pointed finger, judging everybody else's mistakes, judging everybody else's sin, judging everybody else's failure, because you did, you're not handling the condemnation properly, so you spew it out towards other people. And that's what makes the church ugly. So many people, they're not rejecting Jesus Christ. I, I, don't, I don't know that you can reject Jesus when you actually experience Him. I mean, I guess people can, but it's easy to reject man-made religion. I did it for 19 years. People are rejecting news that's not good. News that has fine print. News that's filled with self-righteousness and hypocrisy and accusation. See, without an establishment of the kingdom and the gospel in a church, what happens in, in the church is the church is not a loving family. It's everybody scrambling to try to get the pastor's approval. It's everybody scrambling to try to get God's approval. So they're like love-starved orphans in the spiritual Olympics trying to outdo each other and stab each other in the back. And the, and, and the church is a cesspool. And there's no peace, there's no joy, and there's no love. We just got bumper stickers and t-shirts. And, and that's being judged right now. It's being judged. How many of judgment has to begin in the house of God? Let it be judged. Let the axe go to the root. I don't want anything that's born of man. If it's born of man, it's going to break. 
If it's born, if it's born of man, it's not going to work. How I many you know Jesus is the one who's center stage today? How I many you know we didn't come here to see me? We didn't come here to see you? We didn't come here to see this church? We came here to step out of the way and point to the King of Kings. Because when Jesus is lifted up and glorified, we're all edified and strengthened. Because how I many know this isn't a competition? Everybody in here last week, you probably made some mistakes. I dare say I'm the only one that ate two pints of ice cream in one day, though. <laughs> but I'm sure that you made mistakes. But the reality is, is that your worth is not based upon the shortcomings. Your worth is based upon the fact that you're a child of God. Like my kids. I love my kids. You know, I, I, you know and I share this example all the time. But like my love for my kids is not based on how clean they are. I mean, my, my, my daughter has poopy diapers. She, you know, and she has a poopy diaper. And, but her poopy diaper does not devalue who she is to me. In fact, when she messes up, I want her to come to me because I will help cleanse her. Are y'all tracking me here? And in that, and in that what I just described, that performance-based legalism, we got people who are afraid to come to God when they mess up. And if you're afraid to come to Him when you mess up, it means that you don't know Him as a father. You know Him as an employer. God's not here to give you a paycheck. God's here to give you a Christmas. He's here to put gifts under your tree that you didn't earn and that you didn't deserve. And when you open them, He wants to be enjoyed with the joy that you have for receiving something that you did not earn and you did not deserve. Because what happens is the, 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 the yoke of legalism is a yoke of obligation. It's a yoke of performance. But Jesus' easy light yoke is a yoke of grace. And listen, you live out of a place of gratitude. And you know what happens? You actually want to serve God. Because you're thankful. You, you don't do it because you have to. You do it because you want to. And, and it's a much better way of living. And, and so the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, right? You know, once you know that you're right with God, how many know you have peace? You know what's going to testify against you next week that you're not right with God? You. Anybody get mad in traffic? Hallelujah. Mad today in traffic? <laughs> Amen. Me too. I wasn't mad, but I was like, please hurry up. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the church. <laughs> Somebody driving slow in the fast lane. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be you're not gonna have a perfect behavior next week, but you will have a perfect savior, and you will have a perfect identity in Him. And the more you realize who you are and you live in that place of gratitude, it's going to be easier to extend grace and mercy to those around you rather than living in anger. Righteousness, knowing that we're right with God, peace, then out of that peace is this thing that I'm really after, which is joy. See, what if you have a joy that comes over your life so strong that you're not living in a state of temptation for sin? 
You know why people are tempted to sin? Because they're trying to find pleasure outside of the will of God. You know when sin is strong? When you're under condemnation and sorrow. God's got this thing fixed to where we don't have we, we can be free. But we can't do it in our own strength. This joy, this peace has got to flower up out of us. But if you are in a state of condemnation and you're not really understanding the things that I'm saying to you, then, then under that, in that place of condemnation, you'll have no peace, you'll have no joy. And you know what's going to happen? Sin is going to be real strong in your life. Temptation is going to be strong in your life because you're going to be filled with sorrow. And how I many when you're filled with sorrow, you're just trying to find something to medicate yourself out of sorrow? And for some people, it might be alcohol. For some people, it might be drugs. Other people, it might be sex. Some people, it might be two pints of ice cream. Praise God. Just kidding. Other people, it might be entertainment. Other people, it might be just being rude and mean to people because they're, in a, they're, they're personally angry. Whatever it is, a part of your deliverance is realizing this. You don't get your joy from this world. And man, in a place of peace and joy this world starts to become less and less attractive. I can be happy without beer. I can be happy without entertainment. I can, be, I can have a joy that's born of heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. This is what we have, guys. This is the kingdom that's, on, that's within us. Amen? And so this is, this is really, this is, this is what I'm after, man. And so um, I'm going to pull out some Greek here for a moment. On my state-of-the-art chalkboard for my children's playroom. Can you guys see this? I'm guessing, right? Come on, give me an amen. Help me out. Thank you. Um, if we look here, this is the word for grace, charis, right? And kara is the word for joy. Charis and kara. They are both cognates in, in, um, uh, in, in the Greek, which means they're related. They have the same root. Charis and kara, grace and joy, are interchangeable. And let me read you this definition here because I'm talking about operating under this new covenant of grace and out of that place you have a joy coming out of your heart. Because don't... Like I, I spent 30 minutes, and we're only gonna we're only gonna preach for an hour, but I spent 30 minutes declaring these things. But I want to spend these last 25 minutes teaching a little bit to bring you into this reality. How I many of it's great to get excited about something? But here's the thing: I want I want to function in this tomorrow, on Monday. I want this in my life because and so there's a relationship between joy and grace. There's no such thing as biblical joy without grace. It just absolutely does not exist. When you look at the definitions of the Greek, we, the reason we have joy is because we are under grace. It's the truth. It actually surprised me as I started studying it. You cannot have a biblical joy without grace. The reason that you have joy is because you're under grace. It's very interesting. And, and so, because... One of the things that God has really been laying on my heart here lately, and one of the things that just the example He showed me, anybody ever flown in a plane before? How many know if you flew on a plane and you sat on the wing of the plane during your flight, it would be a rough ride? Right? How many know it's going to be cold? It's going to be windy? 
It's going to be, why? Because you are subject to the elements and atmosphere around you. In fact, flying would be nearly impossible the way we fly commercially now. But back in the, I think around the 1920s, they did something where they learned how to pressurize a cabin. They learned how to bring in an atmosphere to stabilize the cabin so that people could travel hundreds of miles an hour in the same environment that they would have while they walked on the ground. When, now, how many know today now all the commercial, they're, 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 they're pressurized and they have this, uh, they have an atmosphere in there. You can sit in there, you can turn your AC on, you can turn some heat on, you can do whatever you want to do. How many know what you're experiencing in the plane atmospherically is different than what's on the outside of the plane? There can be a storm, there can be, it can be cold, it can be snowing, it can be raining, but you are nice and safe in this atmospheric pressure that's been created for you. This is what I believe. I believe that God wants to bring the reality of His kingdom in you so strong that your house is pressurized from the darkness that's in the world. That your marriage is pressurized from the darkness that's in the world. That your children are pressurized from the darkness that's in the world. Because the environment of joy and peace and right standing with God is stronger than the chaos that's in the world. And it's on the inside of you, we're just tapping into it so that the atmosphere of your home... How many of you your home should be a place where your batteries are recharged? Your home shouldn't be a place of battle and warfare. Your home should be a safe place. Your home should be a place where love and peace and joy and kindness are rolling out of your born-again spirits, rolling out of your spouse, rolling out of your, <clears throat> your children, so that the environment that you carry is a safe place. Can I get an amen? See, I can't promise you that people aren't going to stop acting stupid. That's not in the book. But what I can promise you is that the kingdom on the inside of you is greater and the light within you is greater that's in the darkness of the world. So let's pressurize the cabins of our own homes and our own hearts. Let's operate in this righteousness, peace, and joy. And let's live a good life in crazy days. And, and what it's going to do is it's going to provide a stability for you, but it's also going to provide a stability for other people to come into the kingdom. When people see you joyful when they see you walking in peace, when they see you walking in love, how I many you know they're going to want what you have? See, in the day and age that we're living in, there, there's, there's, there's just, <clears throat> there's going to be less gray area. It's just going to be light and dark, light and dark, choose your side. And, and, but how I many you know we want as many people to get saved as possible? Take your name, how I many that's God's will? It's God's will that all men would be saved. But apart of how we get people saved is we carry the atmosphere of the kingdom. Amen. See, and we learn how to keep it. We learn how to protect it. We learn how to stay accessed in it. You know, you ever be in line with someone and they want to start complaining? I don't participate in that. If you want to complain and be miserable, you can do it by yourself. I'm not doing it. Because like, see, here's the thing. How many know you can be in line and be in joy. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an attitude. There's a kingdom to access. 
And we've, we, we've, we've, we've groaned and complained so much as the body of Christ that we're not in the spirit anymore and we're in the flesh. And if the enemy can get you in the flesh, he's going to kick your butt. Because you don't win in the flesh. This is not a carnal warfare. You can't punch the devil with your fist. You can't punch him on, on the keyboards with social media and all these things. The, the, the way that you maintain your victory is you maintain, number one, it always comes back to this, that you're right with God because the cross was a success, because your Savior's awesome. I know I keep saying that, but that's the number one thing, man. That's, the, that's really the fight of faith is to believe that the cross was a success. And then out of that place of peace and out of that place of joy, you become one that's wearing gospel shoes. Good news. See, it ain't, it's not just what you preach. It's the way you act. It's the way you carry yourself. See, as, as me and my family, we've been starting to access that. Like, we're seeing a joy growing in our home. We're, we're, we're there, I mean, it's not always like that. We're not, you know, we have moments where the kids are screaming and, you know, you know, just crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a part of being a parent. So I'm not, don't never think that I'm like, my life is awesome. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'll never say that. There are ups and downs. There are highs and lows. There are times when you hit this thing and you got it running, and there are times when it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And that's just a part of being human. So don't. See, how many know we've got to say that so you don't get into performance in the kingdom? Because if, if you're not careful, you'll get in performance in something that you already possess, and the next thing you know, you'll be laboring trying to get under the easy light yoke of Jesus, but in performance trying to do it. Enemy's sneaky. And so, but what I have seen is I've seen a joy in our home that's starting to arise. I've seen a joy in our daily life, a joy in going to Kroger's, a joy that's happening, not because everything's perfect in our lives, but because we're starting to access this kingdom. Amen. Y'all tracking me here? And so we don't, we don't have 15 minutes, so I don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to read you some scriptures and I'm going to drop a concept into you and then we'll, we'll reconvene. But um, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 9, the, the, the angels are announcing to the shepherds that there's good news that's going to cause great joy to the world. How I many you know we always talk about that there in Christmas time? Baby, don't even try to hit these. Just be at peace. Just sit back there and relax. Don't even try to get these up. You know what I'm saying? Just enjoy yourself and be, be at rest because I'm going to hit these quick. But, it, but the angel said there's going to be good news that's going to bring great joy. How I many know the gospel brings great joy? There's something joyful about the gospel. There's something exciting about the gospel. There's a joy that it gives. I mean, when the Spirit of God fell in the book of Acts, there was a joy that happened. God's kingdom is marked and defined by joy. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above His fellows. There's a joy in the kingdom of God. And then Galatians 1.6 says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Here, the grace of Christ is the gospel. The grace of Christ is the gospel. What's the good news? The good news is this. You don't earn things from God anymore. Anything from God. God gives it to you as a gift through Jesus. You just believe and receive. And it says in John 1.14 that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Now turn to Matthew 11. And we are going to go here. Because I want to talk about quickly about the relationship of grace and joy, and how that corresponds to the yoke of Jesus. See, I was a drug addict for the first portion of my life, and um, it was hard.
to get free from, from all that stuff, but I, Jesus set me free. But then I got out of all that, and then I became a performance addict. I became wrapped in legalism and man-made religion, and I started, how I many know we all begin in grace? There's another way to begin. I brought nothing to the table, and God gave me everything. But then I was taught how to earn all the things that I'd received when I first got saved. And you know what happened to me? I got miserable. Like I hated my life as a Christian. Like I hated my life. My life was hard. It, how many know when you're in a legalistic, performance-based relationship with God, you never feel like you're good enough. You never feel like you measure up. You always feel like you got to do more and be more. And, and it, it puts this heavy burden on you. And how many know if I'm in a legalistic, performance-based relationship with God, I also have that same relationship with everybody around me. It comes into my marriage, and then here we are. We're performing with, you know, and, and disappointed in each other and expecting us to do this and obligation here and expectation here. Then how many of you know it trickles down to the kids? And the kids are under performance, and, and it's actually a curse if you look at it in the book of Galatians, and we're not going to go there, but being under that performance and trying to earn something that's been freely given to you is the primary attack of the enemy. That's how he started this whole thing falling in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. He said, when you eat the fruit, you're going to be like me. That's what the devil said to them. When you eat the, if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. How many of them they were already like God? They were, they were tricked into doing something to try to become something they already were. And to this day, it's still the same thing. You, we, we do not want performance. We want the graciousness and the kindness of God. Because under performance, man, you're not going to want to serve God. You're going to feel obligated to and listen to me, you're not going to enjoy it. There's going to be no joy. You're going to be doing it because you feel like you have to. And you know, you can do it like that, but there's a better way. How many of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death? How many of the law of lift is greater than the law of gravity? How many of the law of, and this is the greatest analogy for this, the law of gravity is everywhere and it's happening all the time. How many of you know condemnation is everywhere and it's happening all the time? How many of you know performance is everywhere in this world? Everywhere. The only place where there's not performance, the only place where there's grace is God's kingdom. There's no other religion on earth that operates on grace. And most Christianity doesn't operate on grace. So everywhere you go is this performance-based meritocracy that was birthed at the fall of man. Except Jesus Christ. So gravity's everywhere. But how many know that if you can get the right things in motion, you can hit something called the law of lift, which will cause you to fly over gravity? I believe there's a place in the kingdom. I believe it's a narrow path. I believe broad is the way of destruction. I do believe it's a narrow path. But I believe there's a way where you can operate out of a want to in your life, a desire, a gratitude. And that things that used to be hard for you will be easy for you because you want to do them. This is what the gospel actually produces in your life. I've found that with my daughter, she's very strong-willed, and I see a lot of myself in my daughter, and I'm glad I'm saved. <laughs> I'm really glad I have Jesus. But I have found that if I can get her to want to do it, then it's a whole lot easier day. But if, if, if I had to make her do it, it's on. Now, I'm not saying, how many of you know as parents, you got to make kids do stuff? I'm not saying, I'm not throwing that out. How many of you got to do that? 
But if I can get a hold of her heart and get her on board wanting to, there's, there's, a, there's a flow to things. How many know with God it's the same way? If God, See, ugh, I'm so thankful I'm saved, I'll do whatever He tells me to do. Now, I'm so thankful that out of a place of gratitude, I want to serve Him. I started like that when I first got saved, but then I ended up, I didn't serve God because I wanted to. I served God because I thought I had to in order to be blessed. I served God because I thought I had to so He wouldn't curse me. I served God because I thought I had to so I could make heaven my home and not go to hell. I served God out of a place of obligation. And listen to me, it was harder than drugs and alcohol. I'm being honest. I got free from all of that way easier than I got free from legalism. I'm still getting free from legalism. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a recovering performance person, you know? I'm still trying to get... And the reason that is is because the only place there's grace is in the kingdom of God. Everywhere else in the world, how many are rewarded according to what you do? Everywhere but God's kingdom. God's, God said, I did it for you, and I'm giving it to you as a gift. You just say thank you. <laughs> And then you just keep saying thank you and then let me lead you and then you'll take that easy light yoke of Jesus on you and I'll just lead you and guide you and me and you both will just have a great time. And I'm not saying your life's going to be easy because I mean, oh, this world's hard. But what I'm saying, listen to me, I'm saying this, your relationship with God should be easy. That should be the easiest part of your life. Not, does he love me? Does he hate me? Am I blessed? Am I cursed? Am I right with God? Am I not right with God? Are you kidding me? How I many know oh, you can't have a relationship like that? You're always in a state of performance. God does not want that for you. That's misery. Look at it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus talking. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's speaking to the Jewish nation under legalism. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He said, I'm humble and I'm gentle. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to read, you, I'm going to read this to you out of a different translation because I love it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does that sound like joy to you? Joy. See, one of the things I want to see happen is I'd like to see a place in, in, in praise and worship where there's a, there's a want to. Yeah. Yes. There, there's, a, there's a joy. Yes. There's a desire to actually praise God, not because it's time for worship, because you are genuinely thankful for what He's done. No going through the motions. No pulling teeth. No making sure the light and the music's perfect. None of those things. Just this place of, I can't wait yes. to praise God. Yes. Because it's awesome. Yeah. In this place of joy and celebration. I'm talking about the tabernacle of David. 
Oh, I'm hungry for it. I can't even convey to you how hungry I am for it. Because it's going to create an atmosphere of celebration in the church that's going to be so empowered with joy that the lost are are going to want to be around us because they're going to want the joy that we have. I'm not talking about awkward performance praise and worship. How many know when David danced before the Lord with all of his might, he was dancing because he wanted to? He wasn't dancing. Listen, no one had ever praised God like that before. He did something that no one had ever done. And he, he danced with all of his might, and he was so filled with gratitude. And out of that place of gratitude, how many know he prepared food for everybody? That never happened in Israel. They sent home gifts, and they sent home food for everybody. And he took his crown down. said, I'm not here to be better than you. I'm here to be as one of you. How many know we need more of that in the kingdom of God? How many know the pastor should not present himself as being better than you? The pastor should present himself as being one of you. Because there's no one that's any better than anybody else. We are all in the family. We all need Jesus. And there can't be hero worship in what I'm describing. There can't be anybody on the center stage except Jesus Christ. Because we're celebrating Him. We're glorifying Him. And together, we're a family. And we're in unison. And we celebrate together. And I take the joy that's in my heart and I pour it into yours. And you pour it into mine. And in that place of celebration, there's a joy. Oh, and there's a strength. And so you come to church not because you're obligated. You come to church because you're like, I need to be filled up with joy. I need the strength of the coming together of the body of Christ. Like, I want to come and I want to celebrate. And I see this getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and pressurizing cabins of families and, and, and people taking this joy with them and the kingdom with them. And then it's out in the streets. Then we're carrying it and we're operating in it and we're functioning in it. And we have the easy light yoke of Jesus in the sense that we are wanting to serve God. There's a desire that comes. Your people will be willing in the day of your power. There's a transition that's happening. It's really exciting. It's awesome, man. Heaven on earth. Who said that? Amen. That's, That's exactly right. That's what the kingdom produces. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. Because see, listen, there's nothing the devil's got that's stronger than what I just described. How many know there there are young people get set free from heroin in that type of atmosphere? There there are people who will be set free from the addiction of pornography in an atmosphere like that. Depression just, just being stripped off of somebody's life in an atmosphere like that. Nobody praying for them, nobody laying hands on them, just the king walking amongst his people. Amen. It's good. It's good. This is what God has, man. This is what. Um, but 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 now, now here's the thing: we we do we we want it in a corporate setting, but it happens corporately by it happening individually. See, see, I recognize as, 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 as um, being the, the father in my home and, the, and being a husband and all these things. How many know that when I'm a, if I'm under condemnation 
and I don't think I'm right with God, how many know that trickles down to everybody else? How many know if I don't have peace, I can't pass peace? If I don't have joy, I can't pass joy. Now here's the thing. I can't make my son enter into it. I can't make my wife enter into it. I can't make anybody enter into it. All I can do is enter into it myself. And as I enter into it, it's going to have impact on those around me. Y'all tracking me here? So that's when it, really it's about you and Jesus. See, you can't make somebody do this. And that's one of the things about the new covenant. It's, you know, it says, no one shall teach his neighbor and his brother saying, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. I mean, and I know we're coming and we're hearing a message and things like that and we can learn from each other, but at the end of the day, how many know the kingdom manifesting in your life is really between you and the Lord? But here's the thing. When I'm operating in joy, my home's a different place. When I'm operating in peace, my home's a different place. When I know that I'm right with God, my home is a different place. So we do have the ability to impact each other. And this does have the ability to gain momentum. But the answer is, was, and always will be Jesus and the gospel. Amen. And we don't really have time for anything else. Um, but there, there's a place in God where God will give you the desires of your heart. God will cause a want to to arise. That's how this whole thing is set up. And that is that easy light yoke of Jesus. And ah, it's just so much better. So anyway, but I'm just going to shut up because we're done. So, amen. Hardest thing for a preacher to do is to shut up. <laughs> it really is. But it's important because we must shut up periodically, you know? So, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll pick all that up when we, when we get back together. But, anyway, got a couple announcements for you here. Um, 